my wife and I have been talking for a few weeks now about giving a first fruit offering. And uh, Keith did not know what I was going to preach today. And I didn't know that he had uh, a word from the Lord this morning uh, when we came together. So uh, I told him this morning that that, that's one of the things I was going to talk about today. Not in my sermon, but I was going to talk about how Dietra and I uh, are going to give a first fruit offering uh, next Sunday, the very first Sunday of the month, and we wanted to encourage you to do the same. There's a great story uh, in Deuteronomy where the Lord talks to Israel, and he tells Israel, he lays some things out for them, and he tells them about some laws and some principles, and what he tells them is, he says, the firstborn of your flock belongs to me. He didn't say, I want you to offer it. See, there's a difference. That's where we get it confused. He didn't say, I want you to sacrifice it. He said, the firstborn belongs to me. It belongs to me. And so therefore, if the firstborn is not given to me, then you have stolen from me. You know, I was thinking about this. Another preacher told a story. Pardon me. This, this, this preacher told this story talking about first fruits and the first belonging to God. And he, he was saying how that he, if he, uh, you know, w- was going out of town and, uh, you know, he needed to, 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 to leave his car there and maybe somebody needed to borrow his car. So he said, well, listen, I'm going out of town. So, you know, you can borrow my car while I'm out of town. And the, and the brother borrowed his car and, you know, he went out of town and he was out of town for a few weeks. And when he came back in town, the, the brother came over his house and said, you know, listen, I want to tell you something. The Lord has been dealing with me on some things. And, you know, I just feel to, to give you this car, you know, and the guy was like, well, what do you mean? Give me the car. He said, well, I just, the Lord has put it on my heart to just offer and sacrifice this car that I've had for the last three weeks. Of course, he's saying, this is my car anyway. How are you sacrificing and giving this car to me? Well, this is the way it is with the Lord. If our, if we go to give our tithe to the Lord and we say, oh boy, what a sacrifice, Lord, is just in my heart. I want to give this to you, God. Please bless me. God is saying, thank you. That's mine anyway. Now, what can you offer? Because if you give your tithe and you give an offering, God will bless everything else. I would rather give the first 10% and have everything else blessed, like what Keith was saying, give on the first Sunday of the year, have the rest of the year blessed, than to keep it all and have 100% that's cursed. I'd rather have 90% blessed by God, come on this morning, than to have 100% that's cursed. Because I guarantee you, 90% that's blessed by God will go 1,000 times more than 100% that you keep that's cursed by God. Come on now. And this is something we need to think about. So we're going to give our first fruit offering next week. We're going to give it next week. Sacrifice, wherever that is, whatever the Lord puts on our heart. We're going to pray about it and we're going to give that thing next week. Now that's in addition to our tithe. That's over and above the tithe. The tithe, by the way... Is not just tithe means tenth. We know tithe, mean, that's what that word means, tenth. But it's not just about the tenth. And we're going to talk about that just a little bit this morning. If you have your Bible this morning, turn to Malachi. 
Turn to Malachi. Now, when you think of Malachi, the first thing you think of is Malachi chapter 3, which is where we'll be reading from. But you think about tithe and offering, and you think about what we talked about, open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. You have not room enough to receive. We think about the tithe. Before we put that scripture up, Lauren, I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about windows. Take a little different angle on this scripture. Windows for your church. I want to read this to you from the New King James Version of the Bible, and then we'll look at a couple of other versions in just a moment. But in chapter 3, looking at verse 10, it's a scripture that most of you know, and if you don't, you should know very well. Beginning at verse 10 in in Malachi chapter, uh, beginning at verse 10 in Malachi chapter 3, if you have trouble finding Malachi, just go to Matthew, go back about 400 years. And you'll get Malachi. Before you put that up, Lauren, that's a different version there. Let me read this to you from the New King James. It says, bring all the tithes into the what? To the storehouse. The storehouse is the church or the house of God. That there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. In the NIV version, it says this. It says, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. Get another version. New Living Translation says this. Says, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. God is egging you on this morning. Put me to the test. You ever watched a boxing match? You know, and the guys are there fighting in the boxing match, and one guy kind of sticks out his chin like that. What's he doing? He's daring the other guy to throw a punch. God is sticking out his chin to you this morning, and he's saying, try me, see what I will do. Now, the book of Malachi, interestingly enough to me, is a very, it seems like a very simple book, just four chapters, uh, but it is also a bit complex to me. It's and not complex, but it's just a little bit more than tithe and God will bless you. You see, this isn't, uh, this, God, this came from somewhere. If you read through the book of Malachi, you'll see that over in chapter one, God begins to tell the people of Israel that you have not put me first. He says, am I not a father? He said, you, 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 you give homage to all these other people, but you don't give homage to me. Am I not your creator? Am I not the one that created you? And the people say, well, Lord, how have we done that? And he says, well, when you sacrifice and you offer to me, uh, you give me the blind. You give me the lame. You give me the weak. You, in other words, you give me second and third best. You see what's good, you keep everything that's good, and what you have left over, you give to me. That's what God is saying. And he's saying, you have not honored me as your father and as your creator, as the one who has breathed the breath of life into you. The one who blesses you when you don't deserve to be blessed. 
The one who pours out favor on you when you aren't even looking for the favor. The one who gives you mercy when not only do you not deserve it, but you don't ask for it all the time. And I still give it to you. But you don't honor me. This is what God is saying over in Malachi chapter 1. You don't honor me. All I'm asking for is you to honor me. Give me the first of your best. And then over in chapter 2, he goes on to say, Now, if you don't heed what I'm saying and if you don't take it to heart, I'm going to curse you with a curse. I'm going to curse you. It's bad enough to be cursed, but it's even worse to be cursed with a curse. And then he says, I will, because we look for things in different ways. See, instead of giving God what's due him, what we do is we go to other, we, we keep it all for ourselves or we go to other people, we borrow, we do all sorts of things to try to get ahead in life instead of just giving to God what belongs to him. And so when we receive from those other sources and you will receive from some other sources, God said, I will curse your blessing. Read it. Chapter two. When you are blessed by other people and not blessed by me, I will curse your blessing. I'm not making this up. It's in Malachi chapter 2. Then he goes over to chapter 3 and they say, well, how, Lord, how have we robbed you? Tithes and offerings. And it's not just about the 10%. It's, remember in, in chapter 1, he says, you have not honored me. You have not honored me because you give me the blind and the lame and the weak. No, I want the best. Remember in Deuteronomy, I want the first of the firstborn. And if that firstborn is an unclean animal, you must sacrifice a clean animal to redeem the unclean animal. He's not going to accept second best. It's impossible for God to be second, folks. He just, he can't do it. I've said this before, if God played golf, he'd get an 18. Because he, he can't, he can't help it. He could try to hit the ball into the woods and it would go in the hole because he has to be first. That's just who he is. He's first. Come on. And so whenever we give him our second best, we're doing several things. One, we're not acknowledging him as first, which he is. So we're lying to ourselves. Secondly, we're slapping him in the face saying, I don't care if you are first, I'm going to call you second. Come on. We're doing these things to God. And so he says, you are robbing me by not giving me what is first. Now, I'm going to take it further. I don't want to, I don't want to step on your toes this morning and mine. Come on now. Anytime a preacher preaches, he's preaching to himself too. Just remember that. You know, I don't want to make you uncomfortable this morning. But God wants the first of everything. And guess what? Your time is your increase. Every moment you have on this earth is a blessing. I believe Sister Dietrich saying it this morning. Tragedy is commonplace. Come on, the economy. There's, we could look at all kinds of disasters all around us. In our own home. Come on now. Some of us testified for real. Come on. There's some tragedies even in our own home. Come on. So every moment that you have, every breath that you take is a blessing. It's an increase unto you. And so God wants the first of your time too. He doesn't want what's left over. 
He doesn't want you to bake cakes and cookies and then go to work and then take care of some errands and then watch TV, watch the game, watch the shopping channel, whatever it is. And after all that's done, then you go and say, okay, I'm going to read a little scripture and I'm going to pray a little bit. Because by the time all that's done, you're too sleepy to comprehend anything you read or pray anyway. Come on. I know it's not only me, but I know I'm that way. (laughs) If I wait till 11 o'clock at night and then start opening my Bible to read it, I have no idea what I'm reading. Come on. Now, I'm not telling you to get up at four in the morning, but what I'm telling you is that God needs to be on your mind at all times. He needs to be first in your life. Because if he is first, then look at the blessing that he will give you. And that's what I want to talk just a little bit about this morning. The Bible says he will throw open the windows of heaven. In the the New Living Translation, I like it because it says, well, in the NIV, it says he will throw it open. Not just open the windows. He's not going to sneak up to the window and just kind of crack it open to see what's going on. Bible says, oh, they gave me the first. Boom. He throws open the window. Here is your blessing. I love you. Here's my love, my grace, all of the provision that you will ever need. I'm pouring on you. Why? Because you've made me first in your life. To throw open. This is what that means to me. It means to make suddenly and dramatically more accessible. It means to open forcefully and with purpose. He didn't accidentally just open the window to get a little breeze and say, Oh, there you are. Hey, well, I'll just give you a little blessing. No, he throws it open for you and for this church. And for your family and for you as an individual. God throws open those windows to bless you. Now, what are we talking? Why does God use this allegory of windows? He uses windows for a purpose. You see, windows are capable of being opened or shut. And what you think and what I think is, well, you know, God just decides when he opens the windows and when he shuts the windows. But I don't want to mess up your theology, but I want you to think about something this morning. It's not just God that decides when to open and close the windows. It's you that decides when the windows are open. Because God would that the windows are always open. Like a good, loving father, he would that they are always open. But it is us that causes the windows to be closed. He laid it out for us in all three chapters of Malachi. He laid it out for us. You have not made me first, and now I will curse your blessing. But listen, come back to me. Give me your first, your tithe, your offering, your time, your prayers, your affection, your love. Give it to me. Give it. Give the first to me. And I will throw open these windows. These windows are a means of entrance or access to God. You know, we were talking about something. Dietra mentioned earlier that she was listening to this song and it was it was talking about open the windows and open the sky and, and, and bless us, Lord, as if the people that were singing this song were begging for God to do this thing. And he's already told us that he's, he's done this thing, but they're begging for him to do it. And I, I wanted to, I'm not trying to be insensitive, but there's something that I, the Lord showed me, and he sure, showed many of you as well, is that you know, begging really doesn't move God. Now, there are times, I know, listen, Jesus was very compassionate. You know that, Sister Jeannie. I know. Jesus was very compassionate. I mean, the woman at the well, the woman that was caught in adultery, you know, the several people who had, were sick and disease. You know, he was very compassionate. I'm not saying that God is not a compassion, compassionate God. 
But you, many of you are parents, and I want you to think about this with your kids. You have compassion on your kids, but, you, but there comes a point when you say, how many times do I have to tell you? This is no longer about compassion. I have told you what to do. Clean your room, I'll give you your allowance. It's very simple. And, they, and, they, and if they don't clean their room, but they come to you, oh, please, just please bless me. What do you say as a parent? Clean your room. <laughs> this is what God is telling us this morning, saints. And I, and I believe that's what, that's what my wife was feeling when she was listening to that song. It was that it, God, is, God is saying, stop begging. <laughs> you don't have to beg. You don't have to come into my presence and beg. I have called you friend. I have call, I've no longer called you servants, Jesus said, but I call you friend. You know what's more important than begging? One simple word. Starts with an O. Obey, obedience. More, that's what God wants is our obedience. And if we would simply obey him, we would have all those things that we beg for without begging. Just do what he tells us to do. It's a very, very, very simple process. God makes it simple for us. You want to know who complicates it? We do. Windows are a means of pouring out unhindered and unlimited provisions. Now, I'm speaking from the aspect of a pastor, but I believe this is not only for our church. This is not only windows for our church. This is windows for my family. This is windows for your family. This is windows for you as an individual. These are windows that God wants to throw open to bless us. And it begins with the family unit. And it extends to the church. And then from there, it goes to the community, society as a whole, our nation, and the world. But it begins right here with us. If we're not following these principles, how can we reach out? How can we go on a mission trip and bless people in the Philippines and Fiji and Africa? How can we tell people out on the street at our jobs about the Lord when we're not even doing the most basic thing that God wants us to do? And that's make him first in our life. So you cannot even witness without the Holy Spirit working and moving in your life. We need that. He said, I will throw open the windows of heaven. Not the windows of the bank, because listen, the bank is limited. Not the windows of your job, because your job is limited. Keith already testified to that this morning. I mean, it's great. If you make six figures, great. Guess what? That's only six figures. That, that's nothing to God. God has all provision that you would ever need, and it's much more than money. It's anything you, I am, remember I am? Everything that you ever need, whenever you need it. I'd much rather have that, because money is limited. Some of us don't believe that. I know it's kind of hard to believe, but trust me, it is limited. Heaven means immeasurable. It's a spirit realm. Think about this. God is in heaven, Right? Not the first heaven, not the second heaven, but he's in spiritual heaven. And I believe that God is bigger than the universe, right? The universe is in God. That's, that's pretty big when you think about all this. I can't even think about all this stuff these scientists say with the thousands and millions and billions of God. What is that? That doesn't even mean anything to me. I don't understand what that means. You know, just a lot. That's all I can say, you know. It's, you know. And so there's all these billions of galaxies and stars and all that. And God is bigger than all that. Think about heaven where God lives. It's going to take a place bigger than God for him to live in. 
He hadn't outgrown his house. So think if he opens the windows of heaven, <laughs> it's unlimited. Are you seeing what I'm saying this morning? Come on, it's unlimited, it's immeasurable. That's God's dwelling place, that's God's throne. It's high above anything we could ever think. Filled with his treasures and his rewards. Filled with his presence. Filled with his inheritance. It's filled with it. And it's unlimited. Never ending. That's a resource that will never end. He'll throw open the windows of heaven. Throw them open forcefully. The windows that give us access. And he gives us access to an immeasurable place of all provision. And then what will he do? Pour out a blessing. That means to transmit from God's abundance to our needs. He's got plenty of it. You ever went to borrow something from someone and maybe it's something that you lack. You don't have a lot of, whatever it may be. But the other person has plenty of it. I've had people come to me before and, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, maybe at work or, you know, just use something simple like, you know, I, I got a bunch of supplies from the supply cabinet. So I have 10 tablets at my desk, you know, and then and if another person goes to the supply cabinet and they're all out, you know, then they don't they can't find any tablets. So they come to me. Can I borrow one of your tablets? And I say, here, I got 10. I got plenty of them. Well, I'll give it back. No, don't even give it back. You ever done that? I, I have plenty. It's it's I, it, I won't even miss it. You ever done that? Somebody asked you for something and you had so much of it, you're not even going to miss it. Take it. I'm not going to miss it. It's your God. Here it is. Please don't even worry. I, I'm not going to miss it. I've got so much more. In fact, I believe God is saying, I'm trying to get rid of some of this stuff. <laughs> Come on. Act right so we can be blessed. I want to do this thing together. I don't want you to be left behind. It's a treasure that God is going to give us. What does treasure mean? Jesus said, where your heart is, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And I, and I have that right. I don't believe he said it the other way. He said, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. He didn't say where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. Whatever you treasure, that's where your heart goes. Your heart follows what you treasure. And so if you treasure anything above God, that thing has your heart. Whether you don't believe it or not, it has your heart. And so where your treasure, make God your treasure. Make him your treasure because he will bless you. Let me just give you five windows, five windows for our church. I believe that God is going to bless us immeasurably in this coming year. Uh, I, I, I see it. I just believe it. And, um, you know, I, I believe that I believe that. We will individually do this, we will do this as a family, and it will cause our church to come together, communicate, do things together. Five windows for our church and for your family. Number one is the provision of God. The provision of God, that means to provide everything necessary to meet every challenge the church and also your family will ever encounter. You know, I kind of wrote this from the perspective of a pastor talking to the church, but I want you to even take this in. I wish I could also put in there now for your family. Put in your family there. Meet every challenge your family will encounter for this year coming up. Amen. 
He already has the provision for you. Genesis twenty two fourteen and Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. That's Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. See, Jehovah, I will be all that is necessary when the need arises. That Jehovah is that word, I am that I am, that he told Moses. And then Jireh, it's not just provide. We sing it, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. But listen to this definition of Jireh. I will see ahead of time and provide what is needed. Come on. I will, I look into the future. I see what you need that you don't even know you need because you haven't even gotten into the situation to have a need yet. And I already provide what is needed before you even need it. That's Jireh. Come on. God is all that I, I am that I am, all that you need whenever you need it. And Jireh is, I look ahead, see what you need, and already provide what you need before you even need it. Jehovah Jireh. This is the God that you're dealing with. Provision is to see ahead, to prepare in advance, to make any and all preparations to meet a need. And you must understand, I love this phrase by Moses Vey when he says that God is preparing you for what he already has prepared for you. See, he already has that thing prepared. We say, oh, Lord, prepare me a husband. Prepare me a job. Prepare me a this. Prepare me a that. Guess what? God's already got that prepared. What he's preparing is you for the thing that he already has prepared. This is Jireh. I'm talking about Jehovah Jireh. And all we have to do is line up with what he's saying. It's so hard for us to trust. That's why next week we're going to start a 21-day fast. And we talked about this a little bit before, but in case you haven't heard, next week we're going to start on a journey, 21 days. We're going to, we're going to fast together as a church. You know, in the past, what we've done is we've just said, well, if you can do it, that's fine. Or if you don't want to do it, or if you don't feel to do it, I, as the pastor, am calling the church to a fast. And so not from me and my flesh. I'm not telling you I want, I can't because I'm not going to check up on you. I'm not going to call you and say, hey, did you did you have that thing, you know, at lunchtime? It's, no, no, it's not about that. But now that you have heard it, I believe that the word of the Lord. You've heard the word of the Lord. And so you don't have to answer to me or your mom or anyone else, but you have to answer to God. You know. So and but the fast is we're not doing the Daniel fast. So if you want to do the Daniel fast, you can. But it's whatever you can sacrifice. Remember, I I told this story here about this college football coach, used to coach Colorado. He's the same man that started the Promise Keepers. And uh, he used to tell his players, on, they played on Saturday, and he would call his, play, his top players, like his five captains in, on Friday night. And he'd sit in a chair, and he'd sit them in a chair, right? And he'd be face-to-face with them, and he'd say, now, what can I expect from you tomorrow? You know, and they'd say, well, you know, coach, I'm going to, I'm going to run for, you know, a hundred yards. Or I'm going to make all of my blocks or, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, my, my head is going to be in the game. I'm not going to make any mental mistakes. And I, whatever they said, he would say, all right, then that's what I expect. And the next day during the game, that's what he expected. He expected them to be true to their word. Whatever they said they would do, he expected them to give 100% toward that. This is what God is saying to us during this fast. What can I expect from you? 
What time can you give me? I know you're busy, but what time can, what time can you give? What time can you commit? Can you, can you commit to a half an hour a day, 15 minutes reading, 15 minutes praying? What can you commit to? And when you say, Lord, this is what I'll commit to for the next 21 days, God is saying, that's what I expect then. And when you do that, he will throw open the windows of heaven. Watch this. God said it. Listen, if it, if it doesn't happen, it's not on me because all I'm doing is quoting scripture. He said, try it. Prove me in this thing. Try me and prove me. What have you got to, that's what I would say to you. What have you got to lose? Because listen, 21 days is going to go by. You know, when I was, I was thinking of going to college some years ago, I had dropped out of Ohio State and I was, I was thinking about going back to college and I was in my twenties and I went and talked to a guy at the school and, uh, you know, I said, boy, I, I said, you know, I dropped, now I'm working, I'm doing things and, um, it's just tough. I said, you know, it's, it's another four years of school. And um, I can't remember what, if I was maybe 24, and uh, he said, well, you know, it's true. He said, it's a big commitment. You know, you're family, and you're, you know, you're, you're working a job, you've, you're out of, you've been in the service, now you're out of the service, and you're living life and doing all those things, you have responsibility. He said, it's a big commitment. He said, but think about this. In four years, you're going to be 28, Lord willing. You're either going to be 28 with a degree or 28 without a degree, but you're going to be 28. So what I would say to you this morning is 21 days are going to go by. 21 days are going to go by whether you fast. 21 days are going to go by whether you don't. But God wants to open those windows. It doesn't doesn't hurt you to try it. You may think it does because you may be giving up something that you love. But it doesn't. Sacrifice something during these 21 days. The windows of abundance are open to the church. They are open to us. Abundance is an ample and plentiful, overflowing supply. That's what it is. It's more than adequate and more than enough to spare. In other words, there's a lot left over. The windows of supernatural provisions are open to this church. And if they're open to this church, they're open to your family. The windows of opportunity are open to this church. And if they're open to this church... They're open to your family. Second window is the presence of God. In his presence is the what? It's the fullness. It's not you just don't have joy in the presence of God. It's the fullness of joy. You ever laughed so hard that it just hurt your belly? <laughs> I mean, it was a, that was a full laughter. You got the full comedic adventure, you know, out of that thing, whatever it was. So what God is saying, you come into my presence, I'll give you, I'll, it'll be a fullness. It won't be a chuckle. It won't be a sneer or just a grin in his presence. He's talking about the fullness, the fullness of joy. What does this mean, the presence of God? It means to saturate the church and your family with the Holy Spirit life and transformation. This will give us a new mindset, a new approach. Come on, a new way of thinking. It's like Sister Karen was talking about this morning. Said when she lifts her hands, she opens them like this. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready. I'm here. I surrender all and I'm ready to receive from you. Come on, it'll change our mind about some things. It'll change our mind about worship and how we worship God. 
Won't just be three or four songs, greet each other, give an offering, hear a word and go home and forget everything that happened at church. Be more of an experience for us. Come on, because we're going to be in the presence of God. He's going to transform us. He's going to transform us. David said in Psalm 105, seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Hebrew word for presence is translated 76 times in the Bible. And it's, it's derived from a word that means to turn your face toward. That means that God is turning his face and looking directly at you. The presence of God. Think about that. It's more personal than just coming to a church and everybody's singing and we're all in his presence. But in the midst of all of that, you are in his presence personally. His presence fills your heart and your mouth and your mind. Why? Because God doesn't just love the church. God just doesn't love life church. God loves you personally. He loves you and he wants you to overcome. People say, why me? I say, why not? Because, listen, God is not a respecter of person. It's not, you can't, listen, we, you can't do anything to make yourself more holy. The only way you're holy is to follow the Holy Spirit. That's the only way you're holy. It's not about how you dress. It's not about the words you speak. But when you are holy, those things change. God change. You can't change those things. You can change it for a day. But if you're, if you're used to cursing, you can not curse today. You're going to curse tomorrow it's, it, because it's in you to do it. But God will change those things in you. If we would come into his presence and allow his presence to fill us. We want to be a presence church. And we'll talk about that more as, as days come. A presence church. Next, the preview of God. <clears throat> we talked about this a little bit. That means to see before and prepare in advance to fulfill the vision of the church. And the vision of your family. What is, to see before, to prepare in advance, to fulfill the vision of the church and the vision of your family. Look ahead. Listen, when you do a budget, you can't just wait until you get paid and then wait till all the bills come in and say, okay, now what are we going to do? You have to be able to see ahead of time. You have to be able to plan. <clears throat> you have to look back and say, well, what has been done? I've paid this much for my light bill. I've paid this much. And so it averages out to be this. So I'm going to budget that much. And you have to be able to look ahead. Can't just wait till it comes. Because if you do that, you'll spend all your money and you won't spend it on the right things. <laughs> but you have to look ahead. When you plan a wedding, you can't just wait till the wedding day and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. Get up, preacher going to say a few things, somebody going to sing a song. No. How long does that take? A month, a year. <clears throat> and still on the day, <laughs> things go wrong. Praise God. <clears throat> but you have to be able to look ahead, a preview. <clears throat> Listen, I want to tell you that I, I really, we have a couple more, but I, Next week is going to be a very important week for us, very important Sunday. If you can make it at all, 
please be here next Sunday. Come on, Dietrich, you have something? Um, please be here next Sunday because we're going to be talking about faith, okay? And then also we're going to be talking about vision for the future. And we're going to talk about that together. It's going to take everybody's buy-in. This is not just like the pastor and everybody else is coming along for the ride. This, I'm along for the ride too. Come on. This is God's thing. It's his wave. And we're all surfing. You know, come on. I, I might be the lead shepherd, but we're all surfing. Come on, as leaders, as congregants, as, as the church, we're all doing it together. And we've got to do that. So next week, we're going to be talking about a glimpse of the future. We're going to talk about a preview. Amen. Praise God. I was sitting there listening and uh, just pray with me that this comes out the way the Lord wants it to. But this is taken from Hebrews 11. So that's the hall of faith, right? So we're talking about uh, trusting God in our tithes and our offerings and trusting that um, in our obedience that we will experience the open heaven, open windows of heaven. Um, so I want you to challenge yourself to think beyond money uh, whenever yes. we talk about God opening the windows of heaven and pouring out blessings that we don't have room to receive most of us Americans think about money right so we want to challenge ourselves to think beyond that it, uh, God says in uh, one of the gospels says whoever has left his mother and his father mm -hmm. houses and children to follow me you'll receive all of that and so much more in this earthly realm and in, in the kingdom to come. So his provision is an automatic, should be an automatic for us living in the kingdom of God. So our vision needs to be beyond provision or sustainability. Um, we know essentially God provides for us to do good works. That is why he provides for us to demonstrate his glory so that others who don't know him say, hey, I want to be a part of that. Yes. And to provide for others who are in need. That's the only reason, that really, that's the only reason why God blesses us. Money answers all things, the word says, so we can have an answer to all things. Um, so as we go through that and say, okay, all of my, all of my needs are met. And honestly, we can... We, us as a family, we can complain, oh, God, we don't have, you know, we don't have enough money. We don't have enough money. Listen, we live in a 4,000 square foot house. Mm -hmm. We have what we need. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, we drive two cars. They are not new, but we have what we need. We have clothes to wear. Everything. You know, we, our needs are met. So um, in, in Hebrews 11, we know that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We have, uh, we're going to start with Abraham. This is verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed. He obeyed. He obeyed. When he, uh, when he was called to go out to the place that he would receive as an inheritance, God gave Abraham a vision, an inheritance, that he would be the father of nations. We, as children of Abraham, have inherited the earth, right? The nations are ours, just like God gave that to Abraham. The nations were his. Now, we know that when, God, when Abraham obeyed God, my goodness, it was a 25-year process, 
I'm saying this to say to those who are new in faith or who, who don't really know the Lord and we hear, okay, God's going to open out the windows, open up the windows of heaven. Boom, I'm going to have everything I need. In your obedience, you still walk through a process of maturity. Okay? He does provide what you need right there. Okay? So if I am, um, I don't know, if I need a job, you know, God prepares people to come into your path. He prepares, uh, you get on the computer, he, he prepares job listings. He, he gives you health to go out and get the job. Provision is made for you right there. That doesn't mean, boom, I'm going to make $75,000 in two months. Okay? There's a process you take. God prepares the light for you right then, right? So for Abraham, God said, okay, I'm going to give you a son, and you're 90 years old, and you're the father of many nations. You don't have any children, and you're 90 years old, and 90 back then is 90 today. 90-year-olds don't usually have children. I mean, they're probably healthier because they lived healthier than we do. But 90-year-olds still didn't have children, right? It still took years, years. He and his wife came together many times to have a baby, and it still took years before the son was born. The promise came. But the promise did come. And then when the promise came, God said, okay, give it back to me. Oh, my gosh. And then Abraham had to say, okay, I'm going to obey, obey, obey you again and sacrifice this promise. Give this promise back to you that you said was mine. Right? So God gives it back. But you know, if you go down in Hebrews, see here, it goes through all of these people who had done wonderful things. Abraham and Sarah and Enoch and uh, Jephthah and Gideon, and they had done all of these miracles. And then if you keep going down, it says they, that these people died without receiving the promise. That's because they had more vision than just what can, is in this for me right now. They had a promise for futures to come. They had a promise for generations that to come into the family of God. They died not having obtained that promise, but they died in faith knowing that this home is not their own. That they were living beyond themselves in this earthly realm. They were living for the kingdom of God, knowing that in his timing, the fulfillment of the vision that, they, that he had given them, yes, it, it will come to pass. And they didn't only die in faith, but some of them died having to live in caves. Some of them died having to be sawn in two. Some of them died having to be tortured. Some of them died having to be ridiculed. But they died in faith. And they died in the will of God. Okay? So when we say, oh, we want, we want, open the sky. Open this up for us. We want everything. Yeah, yeah, we want everything. But the word says, yeah, you'll receive everything. You'll receive all of that. And you'll receive persecution that comes with it because of the word's sake. Okay? So just be prepared. I, God has shown us, me, Great things. It, um, when we were at our old church, Abundant Life, God gave me a vision. I told Michael back then, I said, oh, the next church we go to, I don't know if it'll still be Abundant Life, but he, he showed me this church. But this church didn't look like this church at that time because it had not been remodeled. 
He's, he's showed me there'll be many, many people coming in and they're going to come in suddenly and you'll be able to see the front from the back of the church mm -hmm. and you'll be able to see the light come in through the side of the church. That's all he showed me. He showed me a lot of people coming in. You could see the front from the back and you could see the light coming in through the side. They remodeled this church mm. <laughs> and I came in. I said, oh, you can stand back there now. <laughs> you can see the front from the back. You couldn't do that before. And at that time, the sun was hitting a certain kind of way, and you could see the light come in from the side of the church. Life Church, God has great things, great things, great things in store, but it's not for us. It is not for us to say we're the biggest church in this city, and we do whatever it is we do, you know. It is not for us. We have to expand our vision and know that persecutions come because of the word's sake. So, amen. <laughs> Stay here. I'm going to ask the praise team to come on, uh, come on up. I want to leave singing that song, Open the Windows of Heaven. Um, <clears throat> the other thing is promotion. The other window that God wants to provide for you is promotion. To see the favor of God bring advancement into the church. Now, when she was just talking about um, persecutions will come, uh, don't let that be a downer to you. Let me just give you some encouragement on that and tell you why. You see, because way back in the beginning, Lucifer, your enemy, because he's God's enemy, was with God, was a glorious angel, was head of music, praise and worship, was a light, glorious. And then all of a sudden he had a thought to rebel. As soon as he had that thought, Jesus put it this way. said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. As soon as Satan had that thought, boom, it was over. Not only was he judged, but think about this. Now listen to me now. We're just about done. Satan was judged with no hope of redemption. He was judged and his only hope was to be cast into the lake of fire with death and the grave when it's all over. Now, follow me. Then God creates humans. He breathes the breath of life into man, to you and I, into Adam, which was Eve was in Adam. So it was both of us. We're in there, male and female. Breathe the breath of life into us. Then... Adam and Eve rebelled against God. Nothing happened swiftly. The Bible says that God was walking through the garden in the cool of the day. He was taking a stroll, looking for Adam and Eve. He couldn't find them. Adam, where are you? Finally, they came out from where they were hiding. He said, why have you done this thing? And then, you know what he did? He provided them a way of redemption. Now, listen to me. Satan, in his mind, said, I will be like God. He didn't say, I will rise above God. Read it in Isaiah. He, said, will, he knew he couldn't do that. But he said, I will be like God. For wanting to be like God, he got judged to the lake of fire forever. God turned around and made a people, you and me, like him. We rebelled against him, and he provided us a way of redemption. You want to know why your enemy is so upset with you and why there will be persecutions? Satan will never, don't feel sorry for him. 
He will never give you a break and he will never, ever love you. Okay? There will always be persecutions as long as you are in this flesh. But God's grace, Paul said, is sufficient for you. And if we simply turn our eyes toward Jesus and worry about being in his presence, all of these other worries will simply begin to fall away. They'll begin to fall away. We won't have to worry about it. God is saying to you this morning, I am all that you need anytime you ever need it. Now, if you never needed anything, God couldn't be that. Think about that. Okay? But God wants to throw open the windows of heaven. He wants us to realize what he's done. But it takes us being obedient. Amen?